secure your necessary muffin repository by visiting us at utilitymuffinlabs.com, on Facebook at Utility Muffin Labs, on Twitter at 25 Years of VTM or Utility Muffins, all one word, on Instagram at Utility Muffin Labs, one word. Support the labs on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, and finally, adorn your human form with our t-shirts at tpublic.com slash users slash Utility Muffin Labs. Utility Muffin Labs, think homogenous. You are now listening to the NerdWords Podcast, brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. If you know your party's extension, please dial it now. Press 1 for customer service. Press 2 for podcasts. Press 3 to check on an order. Press 4 to eat at Manhands. Welcome to another episode of the NerdWords Podcast. I do know what podcast this is. I'm Nathan. And I'm Bob. And uh, we're actually both functionally here at the moment. (laughs) And we're here with Rachel. Hey. Rachel is actually not here functionally. She's off in some far off land that is not close enough for her to walk into the house to be here. We're doing switches. Yeah, we're we're doing like a weird switchy switcheroo. So Bob is about to go embark on a journey into a magical Shire land. And <laughs> I'm going to hang out here at the homestead. And Rachel lives in. So. Uh, Don't tell them where I live. What's Rachel, her address? Again? Rachel lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, my, uh, I'll bleep my out your address. Security, no, you won't. You'll forget. <laughs> Everyone's going to come knocking on my door and being like, hey. Hey, are hey. you Rachel from. Good thing I got your vague ad. <laughs> I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Well, so, anyways, um, we're going to be talking about uh, the Setites or the followers of Set in this podcast. Um, I don't know how long Bob is going to be here. Probably not very long, right? Yeah, not a, not a whole lot of time, but uh, we'll spend some time. Yeah. Some so um, we have Rachel on because Rachel is like Rachel's playing a setite, a follower of set, and um, we're hoping to get some special insight from a player um, to get a little better understanding of like what it's like to play that clan, and you know what are some of the appeals and what are some of the pratfalls of of playing that clan. Um, so Rachel. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your character that you're playing uh, at the current moment? Sure. Yeah. So her name is Rhonda Bixby. Um, she was embraced when she was in her, I'd say, like early to mid 50s. And that was intentional. I wanted to play a character that was a little bit more seasoned. Um, I, I kind of thought, you know, how there's a lot of beautiful people, um, vampire characters. And I thought it would be cool to play someone who maybe had a little bit more life experience because I think even just that extra 20 to 30 years of being a human and living as a human probably would inform them um, in their behavior once they were embraced. So um, really develop the character concept first. And you guys mentioned this a little bit on the um, 25 years podcast a couple of days ago, but kind of develop a concept and then you see, okay, where, what clan makes sense. And when I was developing your concept, Nothing really seemed to make sense except a Bruja or a Caitiff. And I didn't want to play a Bruja again because I just played a Bruja. And I don't feel that I'm um, experienced enough to play a Caitiff yet. So I It's interesting you would say that. That is, that is interesting. <laughs> but. Um, so um, I, uh, well, well, why is that? Why, why is that interesting? Because um, well, I kind of, I don't know, I think they're kind of hard to play. Caitiff uh, are pretty much, uh, well, you're right in terms of understanding your place. That a caitiff would be hard to play, but ironically, not having a clan, you don't have a burden of worrying about a history, a culture, or a right perspective. You're literally just you. 
I guess that's true. But that's kind of one of the things I like about the different clans is that they each have like their own history and perspective. So I don't know. I'm just not there yet. I'm not in a place in my life where I'm prepared to take <laughs> Right. <laughs> no, but it's, it's cool that you, you have that perspective. I think that's really what we're trying to emphasize is that most people are just like, ah, fuck it. Gata for just fuck offs. But they're not within the context of like the structure of vampiric society. It can be difficult to, when you have no place to fit in, it can be difficult to even play. I actually respect that perspective, Rachel, because I myself, I've never played a Gative. I found oh, really? Them, yeah, I found them quite challenging because without having, I, I agree with you because not having a clan is almost the onus is that you have to be your own founder. Because if you don't know where you're from, you hold to your own standard. Well, what's that standard? Right. And it's a lot more intense in terms of research and almost personal self-judgment on, you know, Am I, am I the, you know, like for instance, if you went to an amusement park as a vampire, does that mean at some point you're clan circus? Right. You know, or something, you know what I mean? It's that, that was me, my goofiness, but I, I get what you're saying. Okay. So continue if you would, please. Oh, yeah. So, um, anyway, I developed her concept and, and her background and I wanted her to be a woman who had lived through some shit, who had, you know, really seen some hard things, who had made some hard choices, maybe gotten involved in, um, prostitution or drugs or something like that and have come up the other side stronger um and so i let me just say i swear to god i had not seen the show sons of anarchy prior to making this um, character <laughs> but it ended up being that it was a good transition to sort of use some of the things from that show for her um and i actually just finished the series last night so i'm i'm all pumped about that show right now but anyway so i was like well what makes sense for her know her character and i was like ah. I, I reread the toreador clan book because i played a toreador before i knew i didn't want to make her a bruja because i wanted to try something different that i hadn't done before and this i was like well tremere doesn't make sense for her um i didn't wasn't super interested in playing a tremere um you know i knew i just kind of set with my my kata thing ventrue she, she she's really kind of like a road hard put away wet kind of milky biker mama so ventrue just didn't make sense and i was like all right well what what makes sense here? And so I was like, ah, well, I don't know anything about the followers of set. And I don't know anything about really um, uh, the Zanise. So I, I, I skimmed through the Zanise clan book. I knew, no, that's not the direction I want to go in. And I was reading through followers of set clan book. I did not want her to be just kind of a, a, a super sleazy, overt corrupter, you know, go in and just make it like out there. Almost that. I didn't want her to be that stereotype that I knew from just reading the a couple pages from, you know, the V20 book or whatever, I wanted her to have a lot of depth. So as I was reading the, the followers of that clan book, I picked out theme. I was like, oh, well, this could work for her. Oh, well, that makes sense. Maybe she's had, you know, such a hard life as a human. She's ready to sort of like embrace maybe like a more spiritual side because she's like a mature adult. She's, you know, lived a life and she's interested in maybe that aspect of this clan. Also, she has, you know, a lot of connections the underworld, um, you know, whether it's different motorcycle clubs or, you know, prostitution rings or what have you. And so I was like, well, what, what, what do I have to do to kind of make her um, make sense with this clan? How do, what, what do I do with her story to make it make sense so that she was looked at and, and they're like, you know, kind of noticed and then subsequently embraced by a follower set? And so I, I took the sort of skeleton background story I had made for her and I started to pepper it with elements that were just a little bit darker and a little bit grittier and um, just kind of nastier 
and developed her to be someone who was definitely a caregiver, but also a survivor who, when she was embraced, she was in the right mindset to be sort of adaptable to the religion of the followers that. And so that's why I was like, okay, I think that I can make this background for this character work. It wasn't just me like, hey, I want to, I want to play, play some drug dealer or, right. you know, pimp who's going to go in there and, and bust up the Camarilla in LA. Like I really wanted her to be her own person. And um, it, it just so happened that the, what I had in mind, I could sort of tweak it enough to make it land. And so it did a couple things for me where I got to learn about a new clan. I got to play a new clan that I'd never played before. And I got to sort of um, stretch myself creatively to think of like, how can I make my concept fit something that's not a bruja? Because it would have been a, she would have made a great bruja anarch on the surface. I was like, no, let me color this a little bit more and make her fit into this clan. And then stretch myself and push myself to play something that's a little bit harder. Thinking about that, like I, I would say that anytime you make a character, like you should, you really put that level of detail into it. And, and so you understand what you're playing, but also, so what you're playing has a little bit more breath to it, you know, has, you know, no pun intended, but it has some life, even though it's a dead character. Can I ask Rachel, since you've started playing this, have you encountered any like difficulties or pratfalls that you didn't expect or, um, has there been any kind of like roadblocks for you to like move forward playing a set? I, and when I say that, I mean, like specifically playing that clan, has there been any like issues or difficulties that you've experienced that maybe you would have done differently? Or you could say like, Hey, try this instead, you know, maybe some advice for roadblocks people have encountered playing that clan. Yeah. So I think the first thing is, is I sort of knew going into it that I was going to want to keep it a secret from the Camarilla, what my clan was for as long as I could. I think if I had been smarter about it in the beginning, I would have written or set up a lie or had some kind of sort of set things up for myself a little bit better in the city so that I had a, a background that I could easily transition to. Like I know Bob's mentioned his name, um, the player who played the, the Sedite, but who was, you know, posing as a Toreador for years. I, I think if I had been smarter, I would have done that because now I'm kind of in a situation where People are going to find out, and I don't know how much people are going to care. I'm thinking they're going to care a lot because I've not demonstrated my value enough to the city. So, um, I, 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 I think I can. I think I can get. I think. I think she'll be okay. But I think that that's one of the main challenges is that you know those stereotypes exist within the Camarilla about the followers of that for a reason and for a good reason. And so that's definitely a challenge. Is is like it's not a set I only game. Right. Um, it's not an anarch only game. Uh, the majority of our players are Camarilla, um, that at least live in the time zones that I play. In. Can and I, uh, so, can I ask real quick, do you think in retrospect, it would have made more sense for you to better develop your secretive identity or just to be out with it in the first place? And the reason why I ask is because like, I've personally seen different things from different players and I've seen different results, and I'm sure, Bob, you can attest to that, too, that certain people, sure. you know, they just jump out and they go, yes, I'm a follower of set, or they hide. Like, do you, do you think, which do you think would have been, like, the better route? Like, overt, I'm a setite, or, like, total immersion into a false identity? Well, I think 
it really depends on the character. I don't think there's like a universal answer one way or the other. I think for her, it would have made more sense to be overt about it because I know mentioned this a lot on the uh, followers of that podcast but you know they are liars right but the way i've designed Rhonda from the beginning and the way i've played her where she's very truthful she's truthful almost to a fault and she has lied i'd say 99 percent of everything she's ever said in game has been the truth and even when she's lied it's it's always been been buried inside of the truth so I think if I had been more overt with that character, it would have made more sense to, with that character in the character, and I think it would have been a figure in the long run. So you, know, you can't go back in time, but if I could, that's probably what how I would have started it all. Well, what I like real quick is, uh, you know, as team for, for Ron and Bigsby especially, is your approach isn't, it was in the middle. You were neither secretive. You didn't, you didn't omit or didn't exclude anything, and I enjoy that. You were like, I'm Ronna Bigsby, I'm a vampire, I'm doing my thing. And people came to you. And when you don't make your clan a conversation piece, you know, I think that makes more honest role play, if that makes sense. You know, it's just getting to know someone. You know, if you're manipulative, you're manipulative because you feel manipulative. But you're, you've, you've been candid. You know, you came to me looking for something. And yes, I'm new. Hi. I've been here before. I this isn't new to me. And what I enjoy about that is it's the misconception. The biggest misconception for the sedates to the Camarilla always is, you know, the Camarilla kills them on sight. Uh, no. Right. <laughs> no, they right. don't. You can be a follower of said independent in a city, as, especially if you do what, which is Rhonda did, said, hey, I know who you are. Here's my introduction. But you didn't list clan, which to anybody anywhere means we got to talk to this person. Right. We, we, you know, right. you almost, in, in a way, it's like you manipulate the hierarchy to having to come see you and see what you're mm -hmm. about. And why that was brilliant is because you force the, the, the players to be on their game. You know, a lot of players... And I think sorry. it's... Well, sorry, I was just going to jump in. I think it's funny, too, that I've been playing this character for almost two months now. And just yesterday, or I guess just two days ago, someone moved to know. We, so, no one's come knocking down my door, really, for the information until just now. So you broke up a little bit there, Rachel. So you said nobody's been knocking down your door for the information. Yeah, and recently that characters were really inquisitive about what her clan is, you know, overtly to her. Right. It's interesting, too, because uh, just from a character perspective, not to gush on you anymore, but um, just from a character perspective, we all tend to think of, like, the Vampire the Masquerade characters as, like, these you know, svelte, young, very skinny, like, like I'm a vampire. And like, you're playing like, like you had said, kind of like a road hard, put away wet biker mama who's, you know, like attractive, but certainly not in her prime any longer, you know? And like, yeah. like to me, that's, that's a little bit more realistic, right? Like human beings come from all walks of life and talented human beings yeah. come from everywhere. They don't just come from like the model-esque elite. Right. And, the, right. and why that flies in the face of a lot of the, uh, not, not just the trope, but even the understanding of the physiology they wrote, right? Like if you were, if you were obese at all, mm -hmm. when you get embraced, your fat goes away. They, they literally talk about it almost evaporating. Like, you know, there's no such thing, which is why it cracks me up because when you force, uh, I know me and Nate believe in this. We, we love making 
fat NPCs because they exist in the world. <laughs> right. You know, they're there. And what would that person be like? Would it, would they just be people who sat around just treating people like Slurpees? I, I guess it's, <laughs> it, you know, if and, you think about it, it's probably our love for character actors. Yes. And well, the beautiful thing about it is, is that that's not true. We're not fat shaming. We're quite the opposite, actually. It's to say, much like you have already stated, uh, Rach, that, uh, you know, these people exist in the world too, and they do get embraced. And it's for a reason. And I feel they add flavor. Right. Where beautiful people that are immortals are a dime a dozen, how did this person get embraced? And they're not an Osferatu? Right. When you think about like the Ventru, oh. like I think the perfect example is if you open up the Chicago by Night book, and we've talked about Chicago by Night until we're blue in the face, but like if you look at the Ventru clan in that book, it's all a bunch of like balding middle aged men, <laughs> like, <laughs> like out of shape, bad teeth, ugly faces, but. They were embraced for a reason. Syphilis, if you're Al Capone, you're there. You <laughs> right, know. right. You know, they weren't they weren't embraced because they're like, you're a super sexy vampire. Like, no, I, I'm an accountant and an especially good one. And <laughs> that is why I deserve the embrace. So I think that's cool. I think by creating someone who lived a real life and then attracted a real life vampire clan that is drawn to the tragedy and the the horror of of addiction and desperation and and kind of like the rock bottom mentality. I think that's really cool. And the impact. I want to state this. It's very rare I get to ever ever say to a player in front of her peers, which is the ultimate peer recognition is what we're doing right now. Uh, to me, you're you're an excellent setup for the very reasons that you've already espoused. The character's real, you know, and Rhonda knows herself. Even if that's not true, that's the confidence she surrounds herself with. And from what I've read, from what I've watched develop, it is a lot of people coming to you and you literally make them question their own, their own morality and religion immediately. And it may seem weird to you. I don't know if you caught that, but a lot of people are like soul searching. When you, not, not just during the scene, even afterward. Yeah. Like, like people wandering around trying to find what, what's it all about? What am I here for? What do I really want as this character? You know, I thought I was this rip hard badass that's going to go through and tear people up. Now I'm wondering how my mom's doing. How the hell did that happen? <laughs> well, I went to Crocs Pawn and Pay, <laughs> you know, and I was always like, cool. That's why Rachel gets XP. That's, that's, that's where that's written in. Just so if you were ever wondering why that was, that is why. That is the curtain for me. I have to, <laughs> All right. I have but, to get going. Yeah, well, well there's, there's this concept. You will be missed, <laughs> thank you yeah absolutely so thank you bob for being a member of the podcast and now going and enjoying your vacation i don't that was so weird and fucking formal <laughs> and, uh, but anyways enjoy your flight good luck it's gonna be a long one i'm sure we'll talk to you on london you time. see me having trouble putting the mic down like i can't sorry <laughs> there it is <laughs> all good safe, safe travels my friend you will be missed this side of the, of the pond, rachel said uh have safe travels thank you all right, Bob, Chris, thank you for sitting and observing and not being on the podcast. Shut your mouth. Moving on from from that, like I still want to uh, stay in kind of the the thematic uh, realm of of the followers of Set, but um, I want to ask you um, mm -hmm. as a player. Um, this is something that's been that's kind of been a conundrum for me over the last couple of weeks, and just like observing. Do you think that it is more entertaining to do casual role play or to do serious role play? And what I mean by that is when you sit down to play a game, do you want to play a game where you've had to like put in a lot of work to make a character enjoyable 
or do you want to just like pick a clan and kind of like pretend like what, what would be more appealing to you as a player? And if you were going to run this game, like what would you present to people? Wow. That's a deep question. It is deep. I guess. <laughs> um, well, I, I'm one who's not going, I, I don't want to just pick a clan and roll up somewhere, whether it's a LARP or uh, online and just role play that clan. And I, I would have tendency to do is just like be Rachel who's a Bruja or Rachel who's a Toreador or Rachel who's, you know, insert clan, right? right. I want to develop a whole character, right? I want to sit down and really think about and study who that person is. And then I want to play and pretend to be that, right? right. Um, right. I, I get to be myself all day. And if I want to be really serious, then I can play Rachel La Sombra. Right. If I want to be really, you know, wacky, I can play Rachel the Malkavian, right? You kind of adapt and can play different roles throughout the day, depending on whether you're at work or you're with your friends, you're at the gym or whatever you're doing, right? I get to be myself all the time, but I really want to play a character. So I think I would be more um, interested in, you know, the first scenario rather than just jumping in and playing a plan. I think, you know, like you were a younger man, how you would go to like a LARP every single night. And when I hear that, that makes me think of like, oh, geez, are you just, are you just, you know, like, how does that work? Are you even playing a character at that point? So I'd be interested right. to kind of hear your perspective. Is that kind of what that was like at that time in that environment? Well, I would say that, uh, like probably at that point in time, yeah, it was more, it was like people talk about playing this game or a lot of role playing games just from the perspective of like, all right. Um, I know the rules. I've got all the stats down. Let's go. Let's go stat it out, right? So it's not. It's not really role playing. It's. It's only when, and and uh, you know, a little bit of fault of my own is that you know you go to these games and you just like it's it's the strategy of winning, right? But also, and and a lot of times it's because those games are not really presenting you any kind of story, right? They're not giving you any motivation to take that time and get really creative with a character. And so it's important that, um, you know, as a storyteller and as a player, you're both bringing your a game, right? If you're not presenting a story, you're not going to really be presenting any kind of reason for your players to want to get creative. And a lot of people don't know, you know, they've only, they've only the, gaming for, for a lot of people is just the strategy of winning, you know, or it's, or it's the strategy of, of the next hurdle to jump over to get to whatever, you know, for, for a lot of people, uh, they look at this game and they go, well, I got to get to Prince. Well, it doesn't really, you know, that's, that's not really a thing that you should really necessarily strive for with any character that you play or, you know, most characters, but there does come a point where you're like, okay, now, instead of making like 12 characters a week and going to like 12 LARPs a week, I'm going to make one character that I enjoy and I'm going to work really hard to make like a, a very nuanced character. And I'm going to go to that one game and try really diligently to role play and portray that character. Right. right. So, yeah, it's, it's like the it's maturity, you know, and we've I've talked to Bob on a number of occasions where you know, when I first started gaming, when he was the storyteller, 
it, there were a couple of different storytellers and one was like the guy you went to to get all the stuff you wanted right to get all the, walk, <laughs> the wacky like that's everybody's like go to that storyteller and so i did and i was like oh this yeah. this guy doesn't know shit right mm-hmm. but you know i wasn't like hey guy you don't know shit so i was like okay i'm gonna let all of my buddies go to that guy let's go check out the <laughs> other storyteller right right and so you know the other storyteller bob He's like, well, you know, this doesn't make sense. And that's, that doesn't make sense. And you know, this is good. Oh, this is a really cool, you know, like this, the storyteller was engaged, was concerned about what I was making and what I was bringing into the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, well, to kind of stick, take a step back to the original question, I think, you know, even though I would prefer make a character and role play that character and, and you know, really stick to it and, and try not to get out of character during the, the, the gaming session. I think there's probably value for a lot of people in just jumping in and not overthinking it, right? Not having a sheet, just jumping in and playing a plan. Because right. that's how we that's how we learn, right? And, right. And, and and as you were talking and I was thinking back on it, listening to you, that's kind of what we all did when we were little kids, right? right. Like when you were young and uninhibited and you get together with a group of friends and you just, you know, pretend you were knights fighting a dragon or, you know, <laughs> right. you were doing something like that, running around the neighborhood, it was your sword and, oh, it started raining. So now we have to go back to the castle, you know, that type of thing. It's like, there's no rules. There's no character sheet that you're referencing. It's all in your imagination. I think right. there's, there's value in both. It's just kind of like, well, what, what do you want to get out of it? Right. You just want to have fun and play and pretend awesome you want to play a specific person who you created you know well that takes a little bit more work but i think for me that is a little more rewarding right i think it really comes down to like you're saying like what do you want to get out of the game right do you want to just indulge in the fantasy of play cool Mm -hmm. you know definitely do that do you want to like challenge yourself and like have a really like enriching or you know difficult experience that you know, you, you really take, it takes you out of like your life and, you know, but, uh, I, the reason why I ask is because, you know, I'm, I'm just curious, like the perspective for most people, like do, do like, are there people out there who think like, well, you know, vampires a game, if I want to just like do a casual thing, that's the game to play or like, you know, you only play vampire if you're going to do it seriously. I'm just curious, no. you know, what the perspective on that is. I can tell you what my perspective was before I started playing in your guys' game. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, before I started LARPing, I knew that there were a lot of things that I didn't know, and I knew just enough to be dangerous. But I, I knew that I just wasn't going to be able to learn everything before before I got started. I have to start somewhere. So I just kind of jumped in. So from my perspective was, it's like, I don't have to know everything. I don't have to work super hard. Like, I can just go in and role play and have, and do my best at what I think I'm doing. And then as I started to, to LARP more, I realized, like, oh, there's so much I don't know. There's so much for me to learn. And, and it, it, it did get intimidating, and it did kind of get overwhelming sometimes, especially when it came to, you know, throwing chops, having to reference my sheet a lot. I'm like, really memorize all this stuff you know it, it did become arduous and so i did start to develop that perspective that ugh, vampire is just kind of a hard game like it's just there's a 
it's not that there's a lot of rules, but it's mm-hmm. there's a lot of information, right. right? There's a lot of information. And you're definitely going to be at a strategic advantage if you're a player who's been playing longer, as you know, presumably, and have acquired that information over time. Right. right? You know, you're going to have your, your mental XP, right? Um, so that's why I wanted to join your guys' game because I was like, oh, this will be good. It'll be like going back to basics and I'll learn it from more of a tabletop perspective. And it'll kind of like put me in a position where I'm forced to, to learn it from the book and new and fresh. And I think I'm, I'm glad I went into that, into it with that mentality because I kind of went into it with the mentality of a student. Like, okay, I'm, I'm here to learn. Right. I'm here to play and have fun, but I'm here to learn. And I think that that was really good because your guys' game is challenging because of the way you ran it, right? Right. Um, Bob is a very challenging storyteller. That's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. And I'll be honest, <laughs> right. like, there have been times where it has not been my cup of tea, where I'm just like, hey, like, like, can't you just bend a little bit? And he's just like, no. <laughs> right. And, right. So, um, and, and it's, it's hard. Right. But I think if you, you know, it just depends on your storyteller. It depends on how they want to run their game. And as long as you are open to, you know, working within the confines of what your storyteller wants to do, then you're going to have fun regardless. Right. Now, if you and your storyteller don't like mesh and don't match up and, you know, that's not, you guys have different wavelengths, then, you know, that's okay. Maybe that game's not for you. Right. That doesn't mean that vampire is not the game. That, you know, group is not your group. So just go out and find your tribe and you'll be fine. You can still play the game. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I feel like, um, you know, I, I can admit readily, um, I have found Bob's storytelling style to be immensely challenging, um, for a lot of years. Uh, but I've always felt it, my perspective on the situation has always been like, well, you only get better by being challenged, you know? And, right. and, and it's not about rules. Like at the end of the day, I have a book, you know, I can't remember every single rule and, and fundamentally, mm-hmm. I don't think that anybody needs to. Right. You, I think even as a storyteller or as a player, you, you, you should probably best know what you have, but, um, like when you sit down at a table, like, like LARP is a different creature, but when you sit down at a table to roll dice, like you have a book, you have a frame of reference, like you should use that as your reference material. And, you know, like for me, LARP, I had, it was like, when I LARPed, like we had to learn those rules because like you said, like, you know, it was very difficult. Like imagine if you will, a like 15 or 16 year old Nathan who, who, who like (laughs) doesn't, who's like, you know, with a bunch of his friends and like one day he's just being beaten up by rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, like you don't, you don't know the rules. If you don't know the rules, especially back in those days, like in those days, it was like, if you couldn't swim with the sharks, you got eight. And, right. and, and it's weird that that was entertaining, but at the time it was, that was just certain people played for that reason to like win at rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so that you had to develop those skills but once you had those skills down, then you started to step into arena with people who are like super knowledgeable about the setting, right? And about mm-hmm. the minutia of what the society is and the culture of vampire is. And to me, that is the most important part. It's not the rules. 
right? It's the culture and the society because when you when you step into like the quote unquote ring with someone who knows that world very very well, that can be just as as a turnoff as someone who knows stats rules really well, right? If right. somebody knows all the little nuances of status and and prestation and you don't, like that's going to show. And that's that's the difficulty to me like it can be very hard for new people to go, oh yeah, I'm going to get into that because it is very nuanced. Right. Well, I think, so here's, here's where you can use that to your advantage. If you're a new player, and this has always been my approach, um, and it probably will continue to be my approach for some time, is play a neonate. Because right. they're, they're not going to know any fucking thing anyway. Like your character doesn't know shit. Right. I mean, they don't know anything about the world. They're like, you know, the knowledge base is very small. All you've got to go on is that you know you're a vampire, you have a loose idea of what it means to be part of your clan, and you have all your knowledge from when you were alive, right. which is essentially something that's easy for anyone to bring into the game. And, you know, it's okay if you learn as you go, as long as you role play it that way. But right. if you jump in and you've been playing for like two or three months and you don't know the game very well and you think you're going to play an elder, no, like that's, that's, that's not going to work out for <laughs> right, you, right? right? Like that's the reason I didn't want to play a caitiff. It's kind of like, you know, I, I wanted to, to gain at least, you know, a, a medium level of knowledge on most things before I started to kind of throw out the rules. Right, right. right. It's a weird, like in tabletop, and that's, that's one thing that like I, I think I've tried to emphasize in this podcast and like all the podcasting where we talk about White Wolf. You have two different games here, right? You have two distinctly different ways of playing the game. You know, when you have a tabletop game, it's like a very intimate situation, right? It's you and couple other people and a storyteller and so you can <laughs> you can take the time individually to like learn those nuances and work with your storyteller to like kind of break through that and in most circumstances you might have a prelude right because you're you're like the prelude is designed for like i'm just embraced right it's like mm-hmm. uh the bloodlines game like mm-hmm you your play prelude is you just got embraced your sire just gets smoked because he violated the rules Right. right. And, and in, in tabletop, you have the ability to do that with your storyteller LARP. That's a whole different ball of wax. That's like, there's the deep end, learn how to swim. Right. <laughs> you know? And that's what I jumped into first. And so I, mean, right. I don't know if one's better than the other, but so let me ask you this. Do yeah. you think that from your experience, both as a player, but also as a storyteller, do you find that players are more apt to kind of, pause and ask questions and ask for clarification in one setting versus the other. I yeah. mean, you'll get a lot of people kind of like crossing their fingers and holding it to their heart and being like, Oh, what does it mean in LARP? Like what's been your sort of sense of that? Yeah. Um, I would say, uh, it's, it's difficult for me to really say with any clarity what my experience is on that only because it's been so long since I played LARP. Like it's, it's really been a long time, mm-hmm. but I, I think it is much more difficult for a new player to get into the game and stay in the game if they start with LARP, right? Because you're going to have people at a LARP who are like, I'm here, I'm all business, I've been doing this forever, get the fuck out of my way. You know, like, right. if you don't know your shit, step off, right? Right. And so that can be very challenging for a new player, especially if that new player 
is brought by friends who are just like looking to bolster numbers, right? That's, that's to me, that's the biggest problem. If you, if you're like, Hey, come and do this hobby with me. And then you just leave your friend to their own devices. That's going to be very challenging because not only do you have to deal with the fact that you're meeting new people for the first time, but you're meeting them in a scenario where they're not themselves, right? They're acting out a role and then you don't know anything. Your friend was just like, this will be awesome. Come do it with me. And you get there and you're like, this isn't awesome. This is frightening (laughs) on so many levels. I don't want to do this. Yeah. But it can be intimidating if you're not like a natural extrovert, like, you know, if you're not, yeah, it definitely can be intimidating. Right. I would say if you can get over that initial hump though, and like learn and like meet new people and like develop friendships, then mm-hmm. it's going to be easier for you. But I think as a player, this has been my opinion since day one, since like the early, like the early days of me playing this game. I think that the best way for anybody to start is to play tabletop first. And I think that yeah. because if you, if you go into a LARP, and you at least have an idea of like the terms that are being thrown around, you're going to at least be able to work in that arena. The rules, most people will go through with you and go, okay, this is what you have to do here. And this is what you have to do here. And if you want to do this, this is how it works. But if you go in and you're like, I have no clue, like it's, it's going to be so hard. So I would say maybe even just play the video game, learn the terms. You know, I advise reading the book. I advise playing this actual game, but I know for some people it's really, it's nearly impossible to find like a storyteller to find somebody to run the game and, you know, personalities are challenging. I I get that. But, uh, you know, or if you're going to go to a LARP, my advice to you would be connect with the storytellers and let them know like, Hey, I'm new. I'm really super interested in this, but I I don't know a lot of the information. And like, of course you need to read the book, but, but just reading the book isn't going to give you the experience of play. So if you let that staff know, and like when, when we ran LARPs and we had new people, we would usually make an announcement at the beginning of the game. Like, Hey, these are some new people. You know, if you have the opportunity, role play with them, you know, work through the system with them. Cause it's like, I think a lot of people lose sight of the fact that this is all a community, right? This is all designed for like more people to enjoy this and do it. And we want people to play the game. We want people to promote the game, like whatever game it is you're playing, not just vampire, like in the grand scheme of things, vampire can piss off, right? It's, it's gaming. And so, you know, no matter where you're at, you want people in the community that are interested in this hobby to stay interested in the hobby. Right. Right. So it behooves us all to go like, Hey, let's all sit down and let's play some games, right? Let's learn and like have some new experiences. And to me, it's like, if you keep that in mind as a player, as a storyteller, as a DM, as whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, I think, I think we'll all, we'll all do okay. I think if you've never done LARP before and you don't have any friends that do LARP, I think a great way to if you're doing that is to do one at a convention yeah so like gen con was how i got started and just got really lucky to found an amazing really fun group of people who you know i've i've found many of them friends now and, and live locally and i've made a lot of friends to that game i've introduced some of my friends who've never learned um to that game yeah i know nice. that you and i in a couple of weeks are going to be playing in a lot um at a convention and i uh, i was looking through some of the, the background 
start some background information. I'm really excited. I think it'll be a lot of fun. But um, you think that when someone comes to a LARP um, or they're looking for a LARP, uh, you think they should have like a good sense of what they would like to play or be open to a pre-generated character and trying to digest that um, quickly and be able to play that at the LARP. What do you think (laughs) makes most sense? I think that, um, if you're, if you're going, you should have a, like a vague concept of like what you want to play. Uh, LARPs are weird. Or, or not LARP. Well, LARPs are weird, obviously, but um, yeah, convention, they're super weird, man. <laughs> right, that's it's the weirdest thing. But convention LARPs are are strange too because there isn't any like one way of doing it. Right, every convention I've I've gone to has had a different way of of working things out. And I'll tell you like this: um, we've we've ran convention LARPs at Gen Con, and every time we had pre generated characters, and as as a member of staff. I was often like on the hook for making a lot of these characters. And so what, what I would do is I would ask the player, I would say, Hey, what is it that you kind of are looking to play? Like, what are you looking to portray? You know? And sometimes you get the answer. Like I want to play like a badass Bruja just so happens. I've got a badass Bruja or, you know, I'm looking for someone who's sneaky, who does some spying or like, I'm looking for the bad guy. All right, cool. Like I've created all of those characters but that was our game, right? I've gone to other LARPs at conventions where I got it into my mind. Like you go to a convention, they have pre-generated characters. Well, I went to an Obi-Wan game that they didn't have pre-generated characters. We, we walked in and we were like, do we, you know, is there characters or anything? And they looked at us like we had, you know, an extra eyeball in the middle of our forehead, you know, right. we were like, why is that weird? Like, that's what you do, right? You go to a convention and well, it wasn't that type of convention. It wasn't a one timer. It was like the culmination of a story. So I would say, you know, have an idea of what you want to play, but certainly be open to getting a pre-generated character. And if that, if the staff at the LARP are like doing their thing, like they're on the ball, you're going to get a, a cool character, you know, you're going to get, you know, fairly intricate background, at least a page, and you're going to get something that makes sense, or sometimes you won't. And that's mm-hmm. kind of like the joy of playing a game at a LARP or playing a game at a convention is that you don't really know what you're going to get. And you kind of like have to wing it and make it work with whatever you're right. given. So, yeah, you get to improvise that. Right. Right. I would say in all cases, if you're not a hundred percent sure, like what you're doing or how to do it, talk to your storytellers. Like in most circumstances, people that are running games are running games because they enjoy this game and they're passionate about it. And when you're passionate about it, you want other people to share in your passion. So Mm -hmm. your, your storyteller typically is going to be someone who wants to talk to you, who wants to work out these nuances so that you can have a good time. Cause there's nothing worse for a storyteller or anybody that creates anything that's imaginative, there's nothing worse than somebody being like, I got to go. This isn't for me. You know, that, that like one person and you're like, Oh shit, what did I do? You know? So most of us want to be like on our game and go, okay, how can we, how can we improve this? So yeah, I would say in all things, communicate with your storyteller. Yeah. I think too, like if you have like, so like attracts, like right so if you you have a a storyteller who is 
quality, regardless of how long they've been doing it, regardless of what their depth of knowledge is. If you have a storyteller that works really hard to understand the, the setting and the world, who, who works really hard to, to, to educate you and teach you as, as much as that is feasible, as much as it makes sense. Like you don't, you don't want someone to handhold you because you're never going to learn anything. But I think you know, if you can find a good quality storyteller in any type of game, you know, whether regardless of what, what the what the game is, um, you know, they're going to really create an environment that's going to be fun for you. And, you know, like I said earlier, you've got to find the storyteller that gels with you. And if you haven't found one yet, then maybe, maybe become one. Right, like, right. Uh, you know, like there's nothing stopping you from you being, you know, whoever you are from being a storyteller. Right. I have personally thought like I've really only I've been interested in Vampire the Masquerade for probably 20 years I've played it for maybe three and you know I don't think anything qualifies me to be a storyteller necessarily however like I know over the past couple of months I was like yeah I'd really love to just have you know like pen and paper dice game you know local where I live and I've got two or three friends who Maybe we'd be interested. One who's played Changeling before. One who I, you know, you know, manipulated or convinced into doing a LARP with me, and now he really enjoys it and loves it. And so um, I was like, you know, maybe I could get this group of people to do just a tabletop vampire game. And then, and I'm I'm kind of at the place where I just don't have the time that I know is required to dedicate to it. Right. But uh, my hope is is that when V five comes out that could be a really fun opportunity for all of us to kind of learn this new system. And it would be fresh for, it would be new for me, but I would have like a, a little bit more of a background than, than the others. And, and then we could all kind of learn it together and grow together. Um, and, you know, that would be good for us. It'd be good for White Wolf. And I'm just really, I'm really excited for you guys. Yeah, me too. I'm definitely eager to find out um, what they have in store and, um, you know, just get a look at some of those new materials, White Wolf. Mm-hmm. You know, so do you think that they'll redo the clan books? I mean, like, what do you, if you had to guess, because they've not been revised. Since second yeah. Advent. Yeah. No, they, they, uh, since 2001 and, um, we have like the lore of the clans and the lore of the bloodlines, which, um, in my opinion, they're, they're cool books. They're cool, like kind of supplemental books, but they're not really, they're not as intricate as the clan books. I, I feel like they will, but I also feel like it, it's probably hinged on the success of, you know, the initial release. It's, you know, what we're going to get out of it is probably just dependent on how well the product actually does, you know, how well it sells. Right. Cause if, you know, if it comes out and it, it, it doesn't do well, yeah, they're probably not going <laughs> to spend more money working on, uh, on those things. But, you know, I, I definitely hope so. I, it, it seems promising to me. I mean, I know, we have a community of people that follow our podcast and they listen to us and you know, there's tons of other communities out there. We've, we've not even touched. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I assume it'll do well and I am positive, right? Like not positive. It'll do well, but I'm just positively focused on, on the product. Cause it's, it's a game that I love and you know, it's uh it's something that um, it seems like the people that are are doing it really love it too. And it'll be cool to kind of like, um, as an adult, see this game come out and approach it with like adult mature eyes 
and and learn this new system from the ground up. So, you know, right. whatever whatever comes of that, like there's going to be new games, right? <laughs> That's all I right. can say. So, yeah, I really I think what hope. What they're going to have to do to be kind of smart about it, though, like this is one thing that I've kind of thought is like people who are your age, my age, you know, kind of fit in that demographic of anywhere from, I don't know, maybe very late 20s to mid 40s. Um, who played this game before or one of the other white wolf games are going to know about it and probably be excited about it. But I think their challenge is going to be thinking about how do I market this to the next generation of right. players, right? How do I make this not a game that, you know, uh, Gen Xers play, but um, make this a game? Cause, cause I think that that's, you know, I mean, that's the success of D and D, right? Like it's right. transcended generation. You know, you have, parents who can teach it to their children right so it's, right. A, it's a it's a it's a game that you can make a bit more family friendly so i think one thing that white wolf is going to have to think about and i'm sure they have but i hope that they're being smart about the strategy is okay how do i market this game to people who are you know not even millennials younger than millennials right like how do right. i market this game to people who are 16 17 18, 19 20 years old because that's really what's how they're going to extend the life of brand right because everything is cyclical like we became interested in this game as teenagers and you know learned about it and played it and progressed with it and now you know i think this generation of players is like okay we're done with college kids are a little bit older we have time to kind of do some self-care and think about our own hobbies and what we want to do and and our free time and our spare time and i really love this vampire game when i was younger there's no reason why I couldn't start playing this again with a group of friends, you know, one week into month or something right. like that, you know, but how do you attract those, those younger people? And I, so, I don't yeah, know. I don't, I don't know if there, I don't even know if this is a good idea, but one thing that I've noticed is that there are, there are a shit ton of like very, uh, intricate and involved board games. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that seems to be like, Oh yeah, right I'm now. well aware. Right, right, yeah. No, I, and everybody <laughs> listening is like, no shit. Right, but but like, you know, to me, there there might be something to that, like you know, ap- appealing to that that market because like, it's 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 a it's like a super common thing now for like oh, people yeah. our age and people younger than uh, than us to just play board games, right? Like, oh, yeah. it's it's totally outside of like the normal tabletop dice and paper community. And, and so, you know, maybe something like that where you can get people really interested in your brand Uh and then like moving that, you know, to the pen and paper game, but maybe like a board game that kind of like doesn't require a storyteller to tell the story of the game, a strategy based game of some kind might be a cool thing to think about. You know, that that probably wouldn't require a great, like a massive investment on their part. Um, I don't know. I don't know anything about making games that like they have one for Requiem. And I don't I don't know if it helped them sell more Requiem books, but um, I think that would be cool. Yeah, I think so. I I mean, I can say from personal experience that, um, you know, when I have taken the trail at House on the Hill to to parties or get togethers or whatever, you know, usually if someone's like, oh, we're going to have a party. Uh, you know, at, at, at my age, that usually means get together and hang out and drink a little bit of coffee. Uh, it's not like you know, right? It's not like what a party meant 
10 or 15 years ago. No. <laughs> and so um, I always bring some board games because I like them. And, um, you know, not all of my friend groups do, but it's, it's worth a shot, right? You know, right. like I have met very few people that haven't enjoyed playing Settlers of Catan because it's like kind of like gambling. It's kind of like poker in a way. You know, it's that same mindset, right? It's a very easy version of risk that has a gambling element to it, a chance element, right? But right. the trail at House on the Hill is a very easy game for me to explain to people quickly, and they really like it. And I, even people who, like, don't... It's a gateway drug to nerdy, dorky board games, is what it is. Right. And it's also a good bridge to role-playing, because essentially that's what it is. I mean, it's a tabletop role-playing game without a storyteller with sort of, like, pre-scripted scenarios um, that, you know, you can work through uh, at fighting the bad guy and fighting the monster. Um, and so I think, yeah, if they could figure out a way to, to do some type of board game that they could market uh, that would help introduce people to their product. I mean, I think that's kind of what, honestly, like, I think that's what Bloodlines did. Because even if you had never heard of Vampire the Masquerade before, you'd never picked up a book, you could still play through that game and not even finish it and still learn a lot about the world right. that White Wolf had created, such that if you were to sit in on a tabletop game for the first time, you'd be like, okay, I know what these clans are. I understand what this means. Right. Uh, disciplines are this, and blood points are this. And, um, you know, you, you would understand the flavor of what was being great. Yeah, so, no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Like, board game would be a great idea. Right, and I think with the on the topic of the video game, the you know they're coming out with that werewolf video game. I mean, that's that's probably a part of it. You know, a part mm -hmm. of their marketing strategy for you know the whole V five. I assume at some point they're going to do the same thing with werewolf and the other games as well. You know, kind of like bring them back into the into the mainstream, and you know, hopefully it works for them and it is sustainable in a way mm -hmm. that um you know they they can continue to make this product and. You know, I, I, at the end of the day, I have to say, you know, I'm selfish. Like, I don't care how many people play vampire as long as they're just making new stuff. Right. <laughs> like, right. like I, of course, want them to be successful and I want more people to enjoy this hobby. Like, shit, I do two podcasts on it, essentially. So, like, clearly I'm emotionally invested. But, you know, at the same time, like, hopefully the product that they provide is is really sound, too. And I think that if you make a good enough product and people are passionate about it, we live in a time where, you know, just a few people talking about the right thing in the right place can explode you into like mainstream acceptance. So, you know, yeah, totally. definitely. Well, so. I'm excited. Yeah, me and too. I'm also excited for another thing, which is to go see Black Panther later today. Well, <laughs> I am going to, I'm going to let you go see Black Panther. I, I unfortunately uh, will be at home editing a podcast. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm really excited. I was going to go see it with my bestie. She just texted me and said she had a migraine. But you know what? I'm going to go see it by myself. I'm going to be that weirdo by myself in the theater. <laughs> I'm going to go see it. I don't even care because I, I feel like uh, I've waited long enough. I yeah. can't wait anymore. Too many people are saying too many awesome things about it. And we will, you should go see it too. I don't know if we'll like ever get to see it together, but um, uh, we were talking about that Natalie Portman movie. Yeah. Um, that uh, that looks amazing. What was that called? Annihilation. 
I don't understand why Natalie Portman has a NataliePortman.com website. Maybe she doesn't, but okay. So Annihilation, yeah. That's Annihilation. It looks from the previews I've seen, which I don't um, watch TV. I really only watch, you know, Amazon, the internet, etc. Mm-hmm. The internet. But I saw um, a trailer that popped up on my Instagram the other day, which nice marketing there, folks. Good way to catch me. Right. Um, and uh, I'm like, oh, that looks so cool. It, it, like, even if the story's stupid, even if the characters aren't like whatever, it looks like it's going to be one of those sort of very cerebral sci-fi movies. So I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing that too. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing some movies so that I have something to talk about uh, on this podcast. Um, it has not been a a fruitful movie season for me. No. Um, so I don't, you know, in that regard, I don't have much to talk about. I haven't seen Black Panther. I'm going to be handing in my nerd cred card uh, tomorrow. So, you know, bear with us. Yeah, um, no, I mean, we're going to need your card. We're going to need your badge. Yeah. Um, you can turn in your booth. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, you just pick up some slippers on your way out the door. We don't want you here anymore. Pick up some slippers. <laughs> I thought I got the slippers coming in, but anyways. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how this works. I don't work here. I just live here. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Rachel. Thank you for being right. on the podcast. Uh, thank, thank you for you. inviting me again. I hope that your audience, um, no, I'm, 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 I'm a poor substitute for Bob, but I hope that they've been able to enjoy our conversation. Yeah, no. And, and at some point we'll provide you with a better, uh, quality of sound. You sound like you're a caller in a radio show, which I think is, is kind of cool actually. But, um, you know, eventually we'll get that worked out and then we'll just, you know, we'll kind of go from there as Rachel's available as other people who want to be on the podcast are available. They'll let us know. And, uh, mm-hmm. next week, most likely we'll have Bob as a kind of like a call in guest. Cause he will be in another country as, uh, as we've said over and over and over again. Thanks again, Rachel. I am Nathan and I am not Bob. And thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Fuck you, asshole.